Welcome to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues, Ocean River Shields of Achilles, with your host, Dr. Rob Moyer. Find out what others are doing and what you can do to create a greener and blue planet Earth. Now, here's Dr. Rob Moyer. Welcome to Ocean River Shields of Achilles. We are talking today about building legislative champions for ocean conservation in Washington and advancing legislation that will restore ocean wildlife and result in cleaner waters for all of us. To paraphrase one national legislator that we'll be talking about today, we shall talk about, quote, America making choices for ocean futures. My guest today is Mike Dunmire, Executive Director of Ocean Champions in Washington, D.C. Hello, Mike. Hey, Rob. How are you today? Very good. It's great to have you on the broadcast. I've been looking forward to it greatly because, to give full disclosure, I co-founded Ocean Champions with David Wilmont and Jack Stern back in 2003. And at that time, the Pew Ocean Commission had finished their report and the U.S. Commission on Oceans was completing a very similar comprehensive report on what was troubling the oceans. And so we established the first 501c4 political nonprofit to focus only on ocean conservation and ocean issues with the aim of bringing support to politicians who took positive steps to resolving any one of the myriad of problems facing our oceans as outlined in those reports. Today, the philosophy of Ocean Champions as it was then, is that ocean users, in concert with traditional ocean conservation organizations, are the key to saving the oceans. We believe that fishermen, divers, surfers, sailors, kayakers, boaters, beachgoers, environmentalists, and others who have a direct and passionate connection to the oceans make up a huge constituency, and we have the power to persuade Congress and state legislators to take actions to protect our oceans. And so the principal key of Ocean Champions is individuals working closely with elected champions to bring comprehensive, to better comprehend the complexities and long-term challenges to saving oceans. So these are not easy tasks we're facing. And we're going to spend about two-thirds of this broadcast talking about individual senators and House representatives who are doing the work of saving the oceans despite the obstacles. And some steadfast champions, like Representative Lois Capps of Santa Barbara, is today facing an unprecedented challenge just to stay in office. So Mike's going to tell us about that situation. But before that, we're going to talk about the Senate and what's happening there. And then during the last third of the show, we'll talk about our legislative agenda, which is to pass legislation that addresses harmful algal blooms and the marine debris problems. These are two separate bills which will better oceans, make our beaches less slimy or polluted, and improve conditions for ocean wildlife and ocean-related economies. So, Mike, it's just great to have you here. It is indeed, Rob. I'm, I'm really happy to be a part of the show, and it's, it's good to be uh, doing this with you again. And, and uh you know, as you mentioned, uh, as as one of the founders of Ocean Champions, you were really kind of on the the leading edge of of looking at how to build political power for uh, for the oceans in Congress. And you know, as as you know, uh, there are very few of the critters that actually live in the ocean that have earned the right to vote. Uh, so, what is really really critical in terms of what the ocean community can can do to help elevate their issues is to help elect the people 
that will work the hardest to uh, to advance those ocean health issues. And, and, and that's what you founded Ocean Champions to do in 2003. It was the first uh, political organization to be formed that focused solely on oceans. And uh, today it still is the only one. And, uh, you know, what that what that does is it allows us to be the tip of the spear. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned, uh, there are, uh, you know, millions of people that engage with the oceans as ocean users, you know, surfers, boaters, fishermen, uh, you know, divers, people of all different different walks that, that love the ocean, have a connection. Um, ocean Champions is a vehicle for those people to amass strength in numbers um, you know, and, and by Ocean Champions being able to support these champions, we are making the oceans a big issue in their minds and, uh, and then also connecting all of these people uh, who care about the oceans with the political process. So you started it uh, almost 10 years ago, and, and it's, it's going strong. And now uh, we are working to elect 40 Ocean Champions uh, in 2012, which would be more than we ever have before. Uh, so we're really excited about that. We are engaging in uh, races that are ha- that have national strategic consequence. We are looking to defend steadfast champions. We are looking to help elevate uh, uh, rising stars uh, in the House and the Senate. And we're looking to, uh, in, in some ways, cast out the old and bring in the new uh, by going after some really bad ocean congressmen and, and trying to replace them. Uh, with folks that we know care very much about the ocean. So it, it really is an exciting time. And uh, uh, that was kind of encapsulated, Rob. I was able to see you uh, last week. We held our annual event uh, honoring our champions on Capitol Hill uh, at, a, at an event at Sonoma Restaurant in D.C. And uh, there were 20 uh, members of Congress uh, endorsed ocean champions that stopped by to, to mingle with the, the uh, ocean advocates and members of the ocean community that were there and, and speak on the importance of, of, uh, of, of elections in terms of the ocean's future. Uh, and, and really, to, to frame this for folks, 20 members showing up to an event like this is really unheard of for uh, a group of our size or a group in the ocean community. In fact, even members of Congress, like you know, wonderful champion Congressman Sam Farr from California, was saying, how in the world do you guys get 20 members of Congress here? And, you know, I think part of that is because we're the one ocean group that is working hard to elect them. But also, as you know, Rob, I mean, the oceans just resonate with people. They are important. People care about them. And I think members of Congress that, that do also really want to be identified with them. So it was really quite a night. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you had a good time as well. Yeah, it was a fabulous night, and just to hear each, many of them say good words and the work they're doing and stuff is really compelling. It was ironic that uh, our lobbyist is going, well, we don't need them to talk, and it's like, excuse me, but you're the one guy who talks to these guys all the time, and the rest of us need to hear their enthusiasm and their commitment and their passion. And what was funniest was we only gave them five minutes, and each of them had to name all the other legislators that are in the room to be respectful, and that took about three of the five minutes. <laughs> it was it was funny um and 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 a really good time and yeah you know, as as uh as we've said you know a, a lot of people in that room were people that uh have helped support ocean champions so you know members of the ocean community that that support us so that we can help support these champions and 
as I mentioned, as hundreds of these people give money to Ocean Champions, that allows us to make major contributions to the campaigns of these people to help elect them. Well, you know, events like our evening at Sonoma kind of bring it back home again because then these these small donors to Ocean Champions get a chance to, to meet, get to know, and, and, and have great, very uh, personal conversations with these members of Congress who are truly the movers and shakers that are getting it done for the oceans on Capitol Hill. It's an amazingly personal opportunity that's just awesome. It's, you know, people who survive elected office are just awesome individuals because of their skills and their sincerities and so forth. And uh, to hear these people talk, and and then the, you know the informality behind it, you know, where one legislator they really enjoy coming to to the Ocean Champion reception of the Sonoma there, and one stepped out and said, "I hope it is better this year because last year I talked too much in that direction and stuff." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it uh, it is a fun crowd. There's you know it's it's, it's lighthearted, but. Uh, but this year I thought it was really interesting too because everyone was really bringing it back to the election. Um, you know, one one member of Congress gave really a, a fiery speech where he exhorted the people there to recognize that uh, in November uh, America had a choice to make uh, in in all of these elections, and that choice was very much going to affect the future of the oceans. And uh, that is the the point that Ocean Champions uh, is trying to make, and and the concept that you founded it on. Uh, which is that elections matter, that at the end of the day, uh, you only get to lobby the people that win. And uh, if those people don't care about your issues, then you're not going to get very far. If they do, then you've got a chance. And then you need to play the, the political system and play the process and work hard. But uh, you don't have a chance unless those folks are there. And the elections we're talking about are the election of senators and House representatives. The presidential election is very partisan, but... Uh, these House and, and uh, dep- these House uh, and Senators are on the issue of ocean conservation, and there, you know, there are different political enclaves in different districts, and that's not the issue. The issue is that here's an individual who, you know, upstanding in his party and trying to move things forward, and it's really important that people get engaged at the local level of uh, state. I mean, of national, of national Senate and House races, and not just think that if you just check off, check off a party or vote the party, you're going to you help the oceans. Absolutely. I think it's really important to, to, dial, to drill down, to know the issues well, to, to measure uh, each candidate's policy position against your own values. Uh, and I would think you know, probably a lot of the folks that listen to your show, Rob, uh, really value healthy oceans, and the candidates that we endorse are the folks that uh, are, are going to be working the hardest on those issues. Uh, and as we mentioned, we've we've engaged in a number of, of races uh, that are of national consequence. Um, you know, a couple of which in in the Senate uh, are uh, the races in Hawaii and New Mexico, uh, where we've endorsed uh, two wonderful candidates, um, Maisie Hirono is a congresswoman from Hawaii. She's running for uh, the, uh, the open Senate seat there, and uh, she's running against Linda Lingle, who many folks may remember was, uh, was, the, uh, was the former governor of Hawaii, and, and she was the one who introduced Sarah Palin at the 2008 uh, presidential Republican uh, National Convention. So, you know, she's immediately aligned herself with the forces of mediocrity there. And uh, beyond that, she's, uh, she's not going to be real good on, on ocean issues. But uh, Congressman, Congresswoman Hirono 
uh, wanted our endorsement very much and uh, really sent a lot of information to us. Her campaign was in touch with us very often because being recognized as as a champion was, was important. And when we looked at her record, she had quietly amassed a really wonderful record on ocean issues, very strong uh, on uh, reforming ocean governance through the National Ocean Policy, strong on sustainable energy and moving away from fossil fuels, strong on managing our fisheries from a sustainable perspective, uh, and also strong on things that are really important to Hawaii uh, but have broader implications, things like coral reef conservation. So uh, really a, 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 a broad and strong ocean champion uh, who can do even more if we can help elect her in the Senate, uh, where she has already begun to lay a platform for pushing for a national uh, renewable energy standard uh, where we would derive 25% of our power from renewable sources by 2020. And this is really the kind of person that we want to have in a leadership position in an important chamber like the U.S. Senate. That's really great. If people want to know more about any of the candidates you're talking about, where can they go on the website? Well, um, if you go to uh, Ocean Champions website, which is uh, www.oceanchampions.org, uh, and you look at our uh, uh, Congressional Champions page, you can find information about all of these candidates, and that can also take you to their uh, current congressional web pages and their uh, campaign web pages, which you know will give you a broad scope of information about them. Um, and these are races where you know they, they may not be your state. They may not be, uh, uh, you know, even in your part of the country, but they have implications for the oceans. If, uh, if you see someone who you feel strongly about there, I also encourage you to go to their campaign site and make a contribution. It all helps. And we need to emphasize, we're not a scorecard C4 organization that has to feel compelled to grade every senator or every congressman, uh, that instead, you know, you just select those that, can make a difference, and that our ocean's not a, a primary topic. So, you know, you. So this is why you're not going to find perhaps your individual uh, representative or senator on the list, uh, because many of the people there have already distinguished themselves, right? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's we have a lot of things that we look at in our endorsements. Um, and, uh, and and some of those characteristics are we, we do have a bias for people that are in coastal states or districts um, simply because when they're introducing bills in the House or the Senate, they have a lot more credibility. Um, when members from the middle of the country will introduce a bill concerning ocean issues, sometimes they get a negative reaction from the, the coastal representatives that they're trying to invade their space. Now, there are times when influential members from the middle of the country or from non-coastal states uh, can make a big difference, and we'll still endorse them, but that's still a lens that we use. Uh, we also are looking for people that want to serve on the committees where ocean issues are most prevalent, such as in, uh, in the House, the House Natural Resources Committee, Science and Technology, uh, and, of course, Appropriations uh, in the Senate. Uh, it's the Commerce Committee, by and large, and also uh, uh, EPW and, and appropriations. So sometimes there are great members that are out there, but they're really not working in, in, a, in a position where they can do a lot on ocean issues. So they're, they're different lenses. Um, but uh, so, the other point that you – I'm sorry, Rob, go ahead. Oh, 
So let's move to um, another um, House person that you're, or another senator that you're supporting. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. I will say real quick, uh, you, you, you touched on an important point, which is we don't expect perfection. Um, a, a representative or a senator has to represent a broad base of constituents. Not all people uh, are going to be supportive of the ocean conservation issues that we care about, and we recognize that. You cannot expect perfection, but what we're looking for is consistency, leadership on key issues, uh, and a broad enough base of support that these folks can be helpful in, in doing the right thing. Um, the other really important uh, national center race that we're engaged in is actually in New Mexico, uh, where we have endorsed Congressman Martin Heinrich, another member of Congress uh, who's also running for the Senate. Uh, now, Congressman Heinrich uh, has uh, built a strong reputation as a sportsman and conservationist in the House and really has great credibility even amongst those folks in coastal states when he speaks on ocean issues. And uh, he is, uh, again, very good on defending the EPA in terms of their ability uh, to regulate water quality and deal with water pollution. He has been good on ocean governance, good on fish, uh, and, uh, and also really, really good sustainable energy guy. Um, the woman that he is running against is Heather Wilson. Um, and uh, Ms. Wilson has the distinction of having been identified by the League of Conservation Voters as one of their dirty dozen several times. So I think, in a nutshell, you can tell that uh, our oceans are far better off if Congressman Heinrich wins that Senate race than if Heather Wilson wins that Senate race. Yeah, it was interesting to find a New Mexico person such a good ocean champion. Not a lot of ocean in New Mexico. Yeah, yeah, this is true. You got to walk a little ways to get to the beach, but uh, <laughs> but but Mr. Heinrich is is a big diver. Yeah, and, you know that that's what you find with with a lot of these guys. Uh, it may not be obvious, but so many people have personal connections to the ocean, and he's one of them. And you know, the the first time we met him, he was talking about dive trips and spear fishing, and and just wanting to be out in 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 the environment and enjoying the ocean. So he's uh, he's personally committed. Okay, Mike, we'll be right back after this break to continue the conversation about Ocean Champions. Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI actions and events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. 
You're listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. Hi, we're talking with Mike Dunmire from Ocean Champions, and we're talking about uh, races for the House seats and Senate uh, in uh, Washington that will uh, lead to a cleaner and uh, more wild oceans, ocean conservation. And Mike was telling us about two House races, uh, Heinrich in New Mexico and Hirono in Hawaii. Uh, I don't mean House races, I mean Senate races. And then, um, Mike, uh, there are a couple other Senate races you wanted to talk about before we go to talk about Lois Caps and some of the House races. Sure, and I'll, I'll, I'll be uh, more brief on this. But uh, we've also endorsed uh, Senator Sheldon Whitehouse from Rhode Island. And Senator Whitehouse, I think, has become kind of the uber ocean champion. Um, we mentioned that uh, it's very difficult to find perfection, and we don't expect it, but uh, Senator Whitehouse, I think, is probably uh, a perfect ocean candidate, and uh, he, he continues to be a leader on ocean issues. He does not have a challenging re-election, which is great, um, and he continues to move up the leadership rungs in the Senate and become more and more influential. Wonderful guy, and we're happy to, to endorse him. And he's from the ocean state of Rhode Island, yes, and is. his wife, Stan, was very good about getting him into a wetsuit. <laughs> Indeed, she is a marine biologist, so uh, he he uh, has again a very close connection to the ocean and those who love it. So uh, great, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful senator. Um, and, and the other, sorry, go ahead, Rob. Well, I just wanted to mention that uh, Ocean River Institute is very concerned about setting up uh, a national endowment for the oceans, and that's something you can learn more about on at oceanrivers.org. But this is something that uh, Senator Whitehouse and Senator Snow have been working on for years, and we'll continue to work on the new session. Indeed. The, the very first uh, uh, trust fund for ocean conservation projects it came within a hair's breadth of being passed as part of the transportation bill. Um, was squeezed out at the end, but uh, but Senator Whitehouse remains committed to this concept, and there is uh, good support for it, and uh, we, we hope to, to be there for work, you know, fighting with them and getting it passed eventually. Okay, the other person. So the other race that we are uh, just about to jump into, um, we've endorsed uh, Senator Olympia Snow uh, in the past, but Senator Snow is unfortunately retiring. Um, and uh, the Senate seat, her Senate seat from Maine uh, is probably going to be filled by an independent, uh, a gentleman named Angus King, who's the former governor of Maine, uh, we met with Mr. King yesterday and were very, very impressed. Uh, very, very smart guy, very savvy staff, uh, and we saw, again, really good strength across the board on ocean issues. And uh, we have not announced anything yet, but I think it's quite likely that uh, we're, we're going to be about to endorse Mr. King in that race for uh, Maine. And he, of course, uh, as, as one of the few independents that are out there, will be very important in determining uh, whether the Democrats or Republicans have a majority in the Senate based upon who he chooses to caucus with. And wherever he goes, I think that he will be a strong ocean advocate. Excellent. So let's talk about the House. 
So you, you can't talk about the House without starting with Congresswoman Lois Capps, who you mentioned at the start of the show. Um, you know, uh, Congresswoman Capps is, again, one of those uber-ocean champions who has been perfect uh, and so strong on so many different ocean issues and really so effective. She has passed numerous bills, and these are not easy bills to pass. Ocean conservation-type bills uh, you know, tend to tend to gore a few oxes, and uh, you've got to work hard to get them across the finish line. Well, Congresswoman Caps has done this to uh, to pass bills that protect estuaries, that drive more money to research, uh, that conserve uh, 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 coastal regions. She's really done an awful lot, and and uh, through the last goodness, 14 years, I guess or so, since she first uh, uh, came into Congress. She really has been one of the best ocean champions. Now, last year going into this election, uh, we had a lot of redistricting based upon the most recent census, and Congresswoman Capp's district flipped from being, or her district was changed, so that where it was a very safe Democratic district in the past, now uh, it was much more uh, uh, evenly balanced and more Republican than it had been. And she faces a very strong, uh, well-financed Republican challenger. Um, Congresswoman uh, is, is, as we say, the poster child for the what you would hope for from an ocean champion. And she needs the ocean community behind her now more than ever before. Uh, and really, if if we in the ocean community cannot protect a champion like Congresswoman Caps, uh, we need to really think seriously about. About our, our motivations about. and our engagement. Yeah. Um, tell us, so, tell the listeners and us and me more about um, her actual district, because people might not know who their own congresswoman is. Well, she is uh, in Central California and centered around Santa Barbara, uh, which, uh, if you if you haven't been there, is really one of the most beautiful areas along the California coast. It is absolutely breathtaking, and in 1969. It suffered a, an absolutely crippling oil spill uh, that really was, was, I think to this day, one of the most damaging that we've ever seen. Um, and the oil rigs uh, are, are easily visible from shore, so it was very close. And uh, that spill, that tragedy, became the driver uh, for a lot of the wonderful uh, uh, environmental laws that came out of the 1970s, so the Clean Water Act, uh, Air Act, things like that, and Congresswoman Caps was living in Santa Barbara at the time, and this really shaped her views of ocean conservation and the need to look for alternatives beyond these fossil fuels. Um, so it's a big coastal district. It's a district that is, has experienced tragedy uh, and has rebounded from that and uh, is today uh, thriving, but given a lot of the anti-ocean interests uh, that are in Congress today, is at risk of drilling again. There have been numerous bills passed uh, over our champions in the House um, and beaten by our champions in the Senate that would have opened up uh, areas along the California coast to new drilling uh, and could have put areas like Santa Barbara at risk again. So short of Barbara Boxer, you couldn't get a stronger anti-drilling off the, off the coast of California House person. No, and, and certainly uh, well, not a... Hard, hard to find a more credible person as well. When when she speaks on these issues, she always comes back to 1969 and what she personally experienced. And it's 
it's effective. Uh, you can, yeah. You're no longer you're not just talking theoretically. You're talking about the real impacts on people, as well as on the environment of these tragedies. And there hasn't been a Santa Barbara spill ever since, which uh, is testimony to the effectiveness of those legislators. Indeed, and uh, no other rigs off the coast of California. Uh, so yeah. they have uh, effectively pushed back on the expansion of of any drilling. Um, uh, but uh, but you know the the threat looms, and certainly um, you know other issues like uh, coastal water quality in terms of harmful algal blooms and things like that, based upon what we are putting into the ocean. Uh, remain threats to that area as well. And so it's so key to have someone like Congresswoman Caps in position to, to defend the oceans against these threats. Would you like to tell us about another House member? Um, you know, I'll, I'll cover a couple real quick. Um, as, as we've talked about, you know, this has not been a good Congress on oceans. Uh, this last Congress, in fact, it's been one of the worst ever. So, Recapturing our Congress for our oceans requires not only defending the wonderful champions who are there today, like Congresswoman Caps, but also turning over seats that are currently held by folks that are not good on oceans and trying to replace them with folks that are good on oceans. And there are a couple that we're looking at right now. Um, one is down in San Diego. Uh, it's a seat currently held by Congressman Brian Bilbray, and Bilbray is the, is the classic uh, wolf in sheep's clothing. He's a surfer, and he has tried to style himself as an ocean advocate, uh, but he has become just another drill baby drill, uh, you know, stop the EPA, block funding that would, that would deal with polluted runoff kind of guy. Um, and he's been doing this for a long, long time. Um, and his seat, though, has been very safe. Well, a gentleman named Scott Peters has come along uh, to run against him this time, and Peters has got a long, long history of being a, a civil servant in uh, the San Diego area who has had massive impact on both jobs and cleaning up the environment. So he's got a lot of credibility. Uh, the National Party, the, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, uh, believes that he can beat uh, Mr. Bill Bray, and is backing him heavily. Uh, we are uh, endorsing and backing him heavily, and, and we think this is the year that, uh, that Mr. Bill Bray could be shown the door and replaced by a true ocean champion. Uh, and so we're, we're, we're really enthusiastic about Mr. Peters, and of course, I would encourage our, uh, your, your listeners to, to look at his information, consider supporting him as well. Yeah, I'm seeing his information here. He's quoted as saying, for San Diegans, the ocean defines our quality of life. It's a precious natural resource and also critical to our economy. That's why we need to reject the notion that we must choose between a clean water and a strong economy. We can have both, he said, yep. adding. Yeah. And so this is such important work that Ocean Champions does, is you get these politicians to be on the record before they get elected saying they will deliver on cleaner oceans. Yeah, it, it, it is important, and, and there is a, 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 a kind of a measure of accountability that is a function that we can provide as well, um, you know, which is to say that, that, you know, we don't expect perfection, but we're watching, and we're looking for the opportunities to engage productively with, with these guys, and they're looking for opportunities with us as well. Uh, but as with any issue, they're going to hear from multiple sides. So it's really important that a group that is able to go in and, and get meetings with these guys can represent the ocean community. 
Um, it was kind of funny in the, at the Sonoma event, Rob, um, you might remember uh, Senator Mark Bagich, who chairs the Ocean Subcommittee of the Congress. Yes, from Alaska. Yes. Wonderful guy, uh, great ocean champion. He actually said uh, in a lighthearted way as he was speaking that he was, you know, really glad that Ocean Champions was there to keep him straight, you know, and he said, I'll go and do something, and then these guys will show up and say, hey, what were you thinking about this, you know? <laughs> we'd, we'd like to think about it this way. And the truth is, he's really wonderful on our issues. <laughs> it's it's uh, not often that uh, that we're on the different uh, opposite sides of an issue. But but in his uh, in his lighthearted way, he, he made the point that, you know, we're we are a voice for the ocean community and, and we can go in and have that conversation with the member and with senior staffers to let them know how the community and how we feel about a certain issue. And that's important. Well, Senator Baggage is amazing. Not only did he bring salmon to the city of Anchorage, but he arranged to be a speaker at the Northeast New England Seafood Conference. And he called me ahead and said he's going to be in, in Cambridge. You know, could um, he talk about the importance of cat shares in, you know, Massachusetts, which is not the friendliest fishing communities for cat shares? And, uh, so we, we had him over for breakfast in Grendel's Den in Harvard Square, and, and you know, um, what a guy to go the extra distance like that. He really is, and, and he can speak so well on on that issue because his his commercial fishermen in Alaska um, years and years ago converted to a catch shares management of their fishery, and they fought it violently at first, shouldn't say violently, vehemently. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, because it was change, it was different, and, you know, Change can be scary, but uh, once they got into it and saw how well it worked, they became supporters. And really, I think you can arguably say that the Alaskan fisheries, their managed under catch shares, are the best managed fisheries in the world, and they're thriving. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of so, consensus around that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, Mr. Bagish can can certainly come and tell that story, uh, uh, you know, which is which is an important anecdote uh, as folks in the, in the Northeast are going through that very difficult transition phase where, uh, you know, you, you haven't had the chance to, to see the success yet, and, and you're dealing with the stress and anxiety of something new. But again, just like in Alaska, it's starting to work out in the Northeast as well. So uh, good for Senator Bagich. I didn't know that he had done that with you guys. Yeah, he's a great guy. Um, Jared Mundy. Uh, Congressman John Garamendi, another Californian, another really strong ocean champion, um, was in state government in California for a number of years, um, uh, and in fact was a lieutenant governor at one point. Great environmental record throughout. Uh, he won a special election um, two elections ago uh, to represent um, his Northern California district and uh, has immediately uh, established himself as a savvy legislator, a very good player. He did not behave like a freshman uh, when he showed up. He instantly began driving issues. And he's another uh, very strong advocate for clean energy, moving away from fossil fuels, preventing expansion of, of drilling beyond where it is today. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, strong really across the board. And another guy who, as a result of redistricting, has a very, very challenging race. Um, and uh, he's running against uh, a fairly far-right candidate uh, who, you know, we believe with what we've seen would, would really be quite bad uh, on ocean issues as compared to Congressman Garamendi, who is truly wonderful. He has made the point, and he's right, uh, that this November 
there are choices people will make, and, and based upon the choices they do make, uh, will determine you know, whether the oceans are looking better two years from now or worse. So this is uh, really another... a sign of the times. This this race because Garamundi is the former lieutenant governor of California, and he doesn't have the name recognition to carry him through this this reelection. That you know, there's just so much. Um, polarity, I guess, between the sides. I think that's I think that's right. And you know, to your point, he was a prominent member of the state government. I think sometimes we we take things for granted and don't pay as much attention as we should. Uh, so he he doesn't necessarily have and well that and and the fact that uh, our voting population is getting younger and younger, and we have the need to reintroduce uh, people to. Uh, uh, groups of people that are just voting for the first time, uh, and that may well be part of what his district is dealing with. But, but certainly we we owe it to ourselves and to our oceans to be paying as much attention as possible. And and uh, the congressman, like I say, he's he's in a really challenging race. He also uh, really needs support from the ocean community so that he can keep on uh, going to Washington D.C. to fight for our interests. Yeah, like a turtle. If you're going to make progress, you got to stick your neck out. <laughs> this is true. Stuck his neck out for oceans, and um, and now they're wielding axes after him and stuff. And so we need to be there to save the turtle. Indeed. We're going to take on the turtle note. We're going to take a quick break and be back with Mike Dunmire of Ocean Champion. Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI actions and events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. Hi, I'm talking with Mike Dunmeyer of Ocean Champions. Org. And we've been talking about different political campaigns for the House and Senate. Uh, and how can, Mike, how can people, um, we're going to move on to talk about uh, legislative agenda stuff and not be able to speak to all 40 of 
people you've endorsed. So how can people learn more about that? Well, uh, the, the first place is the website, which is www.oceanchampions.org. And if you look under our Congressional Champions uh, link, you'll find all the folks that we've endorsed uh, so far in this election. Uh, probably another dozen are coming. And you can also see all the people we've endorsed and supported in previous elections going back to 2004. Um, you can also find out information about the issues that we are working on and pushing hard on the Hill. Uh, but we're also in, in the social media platforms. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter with the uh, Ocean Champions label. Uh, and we love those communities as an opportunity to have a two-way conversation with people uh, that care about these issues and to hear what is important to them and be able to connect them to the process uh, in an even more intimate way. And I invite people to sign on for uh, emails and e-alerts. You don't have to give money to get into the knowledge base of Ocean Champions. Yep, that's true. You can just uh, uh, click on and, and add your email address to the list, and then you'll see all the endorsements, and you'll see when when we've been told by uh, key members of Congress that they need to hear from ocean constituents on a particular issue, so you'll get those activist uh, alerts uh, and, uh, and be a part of it. Earlier, you spoke about Angus King in Maine, so uh, when you decide to endorse him, there'll be an e-alert about that, right? They, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Press releases and e-alerts. Yeah, um, and of course uh, uh, the email list is is wonderful, and we love uh, having a strong activist community. But it doesn't hurt to give Ocean Champions money either. That's a wonderful thing to do as well. <laughs> yeah, I want to urge people: if you're thinking about giving politically, give to Ocean Champions because when we give that money or when we give support to candidates, they they know they know they're not getting it just because they're a great person. They're getting it because of their action on ocean. So I find when I give to individual candidates, they, they think that they can go off and make the decisions and I'll continue to support them because I think they're good people. But when I give through Ocean Champions, they know that it's because of the ocean decisions they're making. And it, it does cause them, I think, to reflect about deciding one way or the other. I think that's right. It is a focused message. That's all we ever talk to them about. We don't go in to talk about the deficit. We don't go in to talk about health care. It is all oceans all the time. And so the support coming from Ocean Champions is focused solely on that. And, and conversely, the politicians have huge respect. I'm all surprised by the extent of the respect they have for Ocean Champions. And it's reflected in your ability to deliver votes and deliver support. Uh, yeah, thanks a lot for, for mentioning that, Rob. And, and, you know, I think the other thing, as you mentioned out front, we're not a scorecarding organization. We, you know, we, we recognize uh, the political situations that each of them are in, and we look for the opportunities to, to find success together. And uh, they appreciate that, that we understand sometimes when they can't be with us, and we try to find more opportunities when they can. Uh, and that really forms a strong relationship and, and helps us really work effectively together on a broad range of issues. And that's the key to being bipartisan. Is you can't use the same yardstick for Republicans that you use for Democrats. It's just not fair. Uh, yeah, it, it's true. Every district is different. And, you know, it, sometimes it's, it's hard for people to understand. But if you know, so a representative coming out of a district, let's just say theoretically, that had a hundred percent of its jobs uh, coming from commercial fishing and offshore oil drilling. Whoever wins that district is not going to be on the same side of the issues as we are. They can't be there 
and remain in office. But you could find people in a, in a, in a theoretical district like that that would be better than others and that would be able to do some things. And when you find folks like that, you know, whereas they wouldn't necessarily be a champion, um, but we can still form a good working relationship with them and find those opportunities to work together. Right. So you you pick your legislative agenda, like what bills that are being developed that you want to support or what bills you'd like to see developed, and then you work for those passage. And, and that's the real reason of Ocean Champions. It's not to get people elected. It's to pass legislation that betters the ocean. And the way to do that is to have some political clout in the elections. But the end result is not how many people you got elected. It's how much legislation did you get through and, and or did you block? Yep, that's uh, that's true. And uh, in this Congress, which, you know, as we've mentioned, has not been a good Congress on environmental and ocean issues, uh, but even in these very, very challenging times, uh, we are in very good position on a couple bills, and we have been able to stall and block some bad things that have been going on. And uh, uh, one of the bills that uh, is in good position right now is is in that good position in that good position, uh, in part because of our ability to work with some non-traditional partners. Um, and that's the the bill to address harmful algal blooms and dead zones. Uh, and uh, and this is the result of not having a scorecard where you've been calling people bad when they haven't been involved with our issues anyway. Absolutely. And so uh, this bill uh, is, yeah, is to uh, uh, establish uh, some new programs in NOAA and uh, strengthen some existing ones to deal with all of the different toxic algal uh, outbreaks that we have all across the country in freshwater and saltwater, which uh, shut down fisheries, kill jobs, destroy habitat, and harm human health. People get sick and sometimes die from these things. Uh, and in fact, uh, one senator got very, very sick as a result of uh, a toxic algal bloom in a lake in his state. And that kind of opened his eyes <laughs> to the challenge. Uh, and that is uh, Senator Inhofe from Oklahoma. And uh, you know, when, we, when we found out about this, uh, we did a little digging around and found out through some folks that we know that his, his office, his, the staffers that work his office, have a tremendous reputation as being very effective and very collaborative people, which, uh, you know, is maybe different than the uh, public persona of Senator Inhofe, who really stands in the way of, of a lot of legislation based upon, you know, what he thinks is the right thing to do. So we went and met with this office, and we, we came away incredibly impressed. Uh, very smart uh, and, and very effective uh, collaborators and negotiators, and Senator Inhofe is very interested uh, in the harmful algal bloom bill, and we were able to work with them to to come to a point of agreement for uh, uh, how the bill should be funded in a way that can really help the program, uh, but is also acceptable to some of the more conservative members of, of Congress. And uh, you know, we're now uh, working with the bill's leadership uh, to see if everybody can get to the same page on this stuff. And we're we're very we're very helpful. We're we're very hopeful, I should say. And uh, this is a bipartisan bill to begin with, uh, co-led by Senator Olympia Snow from Maine and Senator Bill Nelson, a Democrat from Florida. Uh, and uh, uh, it really does a lot of good things. And we're going to keep our fingers crossed that we can get it passed in the lame duck session at the end of this year. Um, but, you know, 
that bill That's phenomenal. doesn't doesn't move unless you get people that have a, a lot of different uh, perspectives and represent some very unique points of view working on the same page together. And it speaks to Ocean Champions always being respectful of politicians and understanding when they don't do what we want them to, there could be reasons that we don't know about. And so to always be respectful and not be burning bridges because you never know where the next bridge is going to appear, arrive. Uh, we're getting close on time, but um, tell us a little bit about the marine debris bill that you're working on. Yeah, so uh, Congressman Sam Farr uh, is the is the primary leader on this bill, which has passed the House of Representatives, uh, and this is a bill that would uh, strengthen uh, NOAA's work to address uh, uh, ocean garbage, uh, marine plastic. Uh, we've heard about the Pacific Garbage Patch, and uh, we know that there are garbage patches in the Sargasso Sea and, and other gyres in the ocean. It's just a function of how much of our throwaway society uh, winds up in the ocean. And uh, NOAA's program uh, has in the past dealt with, you know, dealing with this with this refuse before it gets to the ocean or before it gets to a point where it can, it can become a problem, as well as uh, recovery of some of the refuse that is out there, um, the, the mega garbage fishing lines and things like that, as well as looking at some programs to try to get the smaller pieces that are out there. So a very good program, and it's got some bipartisan support. But again, it's being led by an ocean champion, uh, and we are hopeful uh, that the marine debris bill uh, will be able to be uh, kind of attached to uh, a collection of other good bills at the end of the uh, lame duck session through an omnibus. Um, and it only needs to, to get done in the Senate now to, to finish up overall. Uh, it's got some strong support behind it in the Senate, including Senator uh, Inouye from Hawaii, who is very influential. So, again, fingers crossed, and we will be looking to support uh, this bill and do what we can uh, to help it move before uh, we get to the end of this Congress. Well done. We're, we're moving along. We're, we're, we're <laughs> doing everything we can, and, and we will see. Um, but the other thing, Rob, is you know, while we've been uh, very pleased to, to be on offense on a couple of these issues, um, this has also been a Congress where we've had to defend uh, a lot of the uh, better conservation programs that have been established in recent years. Uh, and we've fortunately had some success there as well, working with some of our key champions in the House and others in the Senate. Um, you know, one of those issues, or really a number of them, surround conservation of fisheries. Uh, and uh, we passed uh, a reauthorization of Magnuson-Stevens, which is the law that governs U.S. fisheries, in 2006. And that was really a landmark bill because it mandated by, by the end of 2011, every U.S. fishery had to have a scientifically derived total allowable catch uh, that would set the allowable catch each year at a level that would prevent overfishing, meaning it would prevent uh, 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 people from taking more fish than could be biologically reproduced uh, in, a, in a safe time period or pushing the, the fishery into uh, a, a point where it might just crash. And some of these provisions are really starting to, to work, and we're really starting to see fisheries rebounding from being overfished. Uh, unfortunately, this is coming at a time when everyone is challenged by a difficult economy. And fishermen are no different. And uh, to have to uh, rein in the amount of fish they are allowed to catch at a time when they are struggling 
is certainly hard on them, hard on their families, and for any congressman representing a number of fishermen, it becomes an issue that's very important to them. Um, and this is where, you know, you need to find uh, a set of, of solutions that balances a sustainable conservation approach to managing an important natural resource as well as something that is good for people. So uh, there have been bills that have come up to challenge these strong conservation tenets and also to challenge things like catch shares, which are a really effective program for managing uh, uh, how a fishery uh, uh, stays within its total allowable catch. Um, uh, but these bills have come up because people are trying to help their fishermen, but they essentially gut the conservation standards that have been long fought for, hard won, and are really starting to, to work. So rather than gut Magnus and Stevens, we would prefer to see uh, some emergency support going to commercial fishermen that are challenged right now while we look for uh, the opportunity to, to find the right balance in that fishery going forward. And again, we've had a number of champions that have been helpful in trying to keep these provisions in place while also looking out for the fishermen in their district. Excellent. We need to support people while we move forward to better conservation. We can't we, as you said. We do indeed. And if you think about, uh, you know, we, we have a, essentially a national uh, ethic that uh, farmers are very, very important to the, to the fabric of this country as well as to the economy, and, and putting food on the table is, is, a, is a key strength of our country, but farmers are challenged, and in the Farm Bill every year, there is programmatic support available just to the farming community writ large, whether there is a uh, crisis or not. And, you know, here's a situation where we have some fishermen that are having a difficult time dealing with, with uh, the state of the economy, but rather than have them destroy the, the fishery for the long term and kill those jobs, it's better to look at other ways of helping uh, support these fishermen while not, while not gutting the conservation standard. Yeah, it's a real challenge because, you know, government wants clear reasons for doing things, and so it's easy to predict how well a farm crop is going to do, but it's impossible to predict, you know, what the sea life's going to be like any time further ahead, like two years from now or even seven months from now. Uh, it's just, you know, poor fishermen have to deal much more with a black box than do the, the farmers, and so... Uh, good for you to overcome those bureaucratic obstacles to get um, emergency support for fishermen. Well, we're uh, we're engaging on some of that, and, and there's some of that that's still um, in progress. The, the good news is I think we've been able to hold the line on the conservation measures uh, in yes. the short term. But that will continue to be a fight uh, in the next Congress and beyond. Well, Mike, we're out of time, but I, I want to thank you for um, speaking about the work of Ocean Champions. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Rob. Anytime I can talk to you, it's a pleasure. So remember to visit oceanchampions.org and or oceanriver.org, my organization. And for Moyer's Environmental Dialogues, Ocean River Shields of Achilles, thanks for listening. Thanks again for joining us this week on Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. Please tune in for more with Dr. Rob Moyer next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Green Living Channel. We'll talk again then. Water, 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 water. 
Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 